Woe be unto him who opens one of the seven gateways to hell, because through that gateway evil will invade the world. So I'm here with James L. Edwards. He's a writer, director, actor, and uh, hopefully a fan of the 1981 classic, The Evil Dead. Now, The Evil Dead is directed by Sam Raimi. It was made by a group of Michigan filmmakers, mostly from the Detroit area. It's made, what, summer, I mean, uh, kind of fall, summer, whatever, in 1980. It was 
briefly released in 81 for some non-public screenings and kind of got its momentum in 82, 83, kind of when it was more widely available. But we're covering it here for 1981 because the first initial release. But uh, yeah, this is one of the kind of big horror films that I think is considered one of the ultimate regional American horror films of all, of all time, along with Night of the Living Dead, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think those three, along with the Evil Dead, captured lightning in a bottle. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the Evil Dead. <laughs> uh, so how have you been dave what's been going on not much just a lot of health concerns all that kind of stuff you uh, no I've, I've been the same everything yeah. everything okay not sure you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just like just waiting on doctors right oh yeah yeah, but uh, but as far as the Evil Dead goes, this was for one. I'm a massive fan of all three in the series. I'm also a yeah. fan of the first season of the television show. Uh, didn't really care for the uh, the the second and third, but but I mean they were okay, you know. Yeah. Um, and and I've actually grown to enjoy the remake and whatever this new one is that I don't even know what to define the new one, but Evil yeah, Dead I, Rise. Not, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, again, I don't hate any of them. Um. But but for me personally, the first Evil Dead, I, I mean, there's many layers of why I enjoy this film, why why I care about this movie so much. For one, I was too young to see it upon its initial release. I didn't discover this movie until uh, video. And yeah. at the time, I was working uh, for JR on his first film, The Dead Next Door, which was financed by Sam Raimi. Which is genius. So, That's why I definitely yeah, wanted right, to have yeah. you on here too. I didn't know if you wanted to say it, if it's like the world's worst kept secret now. At this exactly. Point. I mean, if anybody who doesn't know by now, surprise. You know, I mean, right. yeah. Ra 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 should, uh... secretly. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I'm sorry. I thought I cut you off there. <laughs> no, I cut you um, off. Go. Ahead. No, uh, realistically, it was just it. It was the perfect time for me. I was 12 years old when I first discovered uh, the Evil Dead, um, and it was only because. Um, when I found out that Raimi was financing The Dead Next Door, the first movie that I worked on, I wanted to look into it. And I did not know what to expect. And boy, did it pack a punch. It's I just bet. an absolutely amazing film. So, uh, and the thing that's nice about that is everybody's got their favorites, but very rarely have I ever met anyone that doesn't care for the original Evil Dead. So, yeah. See, my favorite is personally Army of Darkness because I'm crazy. Yeah, and then it's the first Evil Dead. Right, yeah. I mean, I 100% uh, I agree with you. Because for me personally, where Evil Dead was a moment in my childhood, Army of Darkness specifically is one of the reasons I wanted to become an actor. That that <laughs> Bruce Campbell in that, it's just, that's his movie. That is, it's just absolutely an amazing performance. And it's the reason, again, I, I went from wanting to be a special effects artist to later uh, uh to, to actually wanting to be in front of the camera yeah so so what i find really interesting is for, for sure on this so you were 12 and you were working on the dead next door which is at the time was the most expensive uh horror film shot on super eight period right it, it, was that record ever beaten i don't know i really don't know i, I don't know if Did it ever was <laughs> Did people still make Super 8 on purpose after the Dead Next Door? Uh, I it, it still baffles me to this day that that that's the that's the title that we hold the most expensive Super 8 film ever made. So. Well, it's it's genius because the Dead Next Door is kind of like a, a homage to George Romero, but it has some Evil Dead in there too. And me, me and you're both from Ohio, so we have mm -hmm. that weird kind of trajectory. We got you know Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania over here, and we got the Romero kind of flair coming in Ohio, and then we got the Michigan. Right. Uh, Sam Raimi guys coming down here and then uh, well, they shot in Tennessee, but you know what I mean? Kind of like in Ohio is like that perfect meeting ground of indie horror where like Pennsylvania, Michigan, all that. See, we're, we're very fortunate in our location because we grew up around all of that. So, so, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a perfect mixture. For sure. Um, <laughs> so when you were on that set and like, did you register? Like, did you know who Sam Raimi was? It was probably a huge big deal. And what 1985 was the initial, we should probably talk about dead next door a bit. So people know, <laughs> um, Jared Bookwalter's directorial debut. It was an epic zombie independent movie made in Akron, Ohio. Um, way ambitious. So I'm surprised it ever got finished. Took about four or five years to finish it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that um, I again, I did not. I mean, I had heard of the Evil Dead when I had signed on to Dead Next Door, 
but I wasn't real familiar with it until I got the job and I'm like, oh, I should probably rent this and absolutely fell in love with the movie and tried to find out everything that I could about Sam Raimi. And what's funny was I knew he was a Three Stooges fan. And so he came to the set one time. He came to Akron, Ohio. Uh, and I remember, again, I'm like 12, 13 years old at the time. And I came up to him and did my best, like, campy, like, shemp kind of thing, where it was like yeah. I uh, walked up to him and Jay was like, oh, this is Sam Raimi. And I'm like, just just being goofy. And, of course, he loved it because he's a huge, yeah. uh, again, even back then I was a Alaskas. So, I mean, it worked out great. So. Well, it's Sam Raimi, right? I mean, that's but, one thing you bring up is, you know, Sam Raimi and a lot of the old interviews with him, Sam Raimi is not a horror fan first. He is a film mm -hmm. fan. He's a comedy fan. And like many horror directors, George Romero, they like horror films, they're fine with them, but they're not, their first love is not horror. Wes Craven, <laughs> Carpenter. I mean, they like this stuff, but it's not their first love. And Raimi, especially, when they was asked what kind of horror films he liked back in 82 or so, he said, mentioned Creepshow just because it was fresh in his memory. But right. he really listed uh, directors like Spielberg and Hitchcock and Kubrick, which is very I common for a lot of directors that go on to make some of the greatest horror films ever made. Their inspirations are not you know, typically, you know, James Whale and stuff or, or whatever they would like back then or the Hammer movies, although they are there. But so I, I want to bring that up because um, as the Evil Dead films progress, the first one does have a, a little bit of comedy. It's not at all a comedy. And I don't, yeah. know if, I don't know if the comedy is as successful as Sam Raimi thought it was, kind of like Toby Hooper's like Texas Chainsaw is a comedy. It's like, you're fucking insane, brother. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so... so like as it progressed, it became more, I think, Sam Raimi's picture, more Three Stooges. So when people like the original Evil Dead and the remake, I feel like they're less of a Sam Raimi, that kind of core group of filmmakers and more of just a fan of violence. Right. And, and that's the thing. One thing that you'll find, especially what was odd about Sam Raimi's career and the Evil Dead specifically, was there was so much of a massive fan base I mean, again, we can we can thank Stephen King's quote for a lot of that yeah. because it wasn't as common back then it is, as it is now. But there was such a massive horror fan base. And then there was a slight bit of backlash around uh, the late 80s, early 90s towards Raimi, where he just freely admitted, yeah, horror is a stepping stone for me. He was very upfront with it. He didn't try and kid around with it. He's like, yeah, I, I enjoy horror, but it's not my forte. A lot of fans especially hardcore horror fans were furious about that statement. Well, I mean, Evil Dead 2 because more Three Stooges and by Army of Darkness, some of the barely considered a horror film. So, so oh, I, yeah. always, I love Rami. I love Darkman. I love Quick and the Dead. I like all that stuff until a certain point. The Spider-Man movies take them or leave them. They are what they are. Right. They're fine. I like the um, first one. I, I even like parts of the second one, yeah. but I think I like two. I and then a hard time. I personally had a hard time with, um, his Wizard of Oz movie, but uh, you didn't miss much. Trust me, I, I promise I you. So. I didn't think so. So, so like as we go on, like the Evil Dead, it, it's it's a movie that is like it is typical the Cabin in the Woods story, but it, it pretty much cemented that that kind of trope in horror films, and nothing's okay. quite like it. I mean, it takes from The Exorcist, and unfortunately, a lot of the newer Evil Dead movies that don't aren't directed by Sam Raimi take too much from The Exorcist and become more Exorcist ripoffs than Evil Dead movies, which is unfortunate mm -hmm. for me at least. But uh, I don't hate them; they're fine. But they're not right. my cup of tea. Uh, but as as this one is, it kind of sets that cabin in the woods, and you just have on every movie afterwards um, almost seem like a rip of Evil Dead. If you're talking even some great ones like Night of the Demons or some not great ones like Demon Wind, which is fun, but well, still. <laughs> well, here's the one that fa here's the thing that fascinates me about Evil Dead to this day, the original. And I'm curious to get your take on this. At the end of the day, Evil Dead was a far from perfect film. Uh, I mean, it has it's it's there warts and all. It's got a lot of technical uh, technical issues. The performances are not necessarily strong. The writing is not necessarily strong. But for some reason, that thing took off like wildfire. And very similar films of that time period didn't. What do you think that? What do you think it was that really pushed this movie over the edge? Well, I mean, King quoted other movies from '81. Look at the Boogans, right. and the Boogans is not. But the Boogans is not Evil Dead either. I right. <laughs> I think that the thing about um, Evil Dead is that people saw the homemade quality about it, and they figured that um, the investors said, "Hey, we can make a buck off something cheap." 
and the people that wanted to make movies and inspired them to make movies because they saw that it was in a backyard. And I know that the, they've said it so themselves, but it's true. Um, people that like Sam Raimi, they go out and try to make movies like Sam Raimi. Um, and there's other directors that I think carry that spirit of Sam Raimi. I think Peter Jackson initially had that spirit. I think Don oh, yeah. Coscarelli had that spirit. And those are the only three that started in their 20s, like, you know, early 20s that I would say they had that spirit. Guys like right. Carpenter came out and they they didn't, they, they had their own kind of element and Romero too, but Romero was older. Craven was older. They had their voice and their voice is unique, but they didn't have that. Uh, they had energy and they had a lot of stuff going for them, but they didn't have that insane amount of just speed and weird kind of camera tricks. And they didn't have rules. They taught themselves. Right. These are backyard filmmakers. They, most of them, maybe they didn't even go to school. I know some of them did, but still it doesn't seem right. like they did. No, no, I 100% agree with you on that. And, and again, the thing that fascinates me specifically about Evil Dead is this is a movie that very easily could have been just lost in, on the shelves of the video store. And I uh, I mean, again, I, I brought up the Stephen King quote, but I, you're right. He had, That was not the first quote he had ever no. given. And it, it just, it fascinates me that this movie has not only built such a rabid following, but also the fact that it continues to live on. I mean, it absolutely, there's there's new generations of fans of this film every single few years. Yeah, and, and it does have like, it does have the unintentional comedy for some people, but to me, it's always been charming. I don't laugh at Evil Dead. I did catch myself getting grossed out this time, which is genius of it, because I think that's part of the splatter film. And I think this is one mm -hmm. of the earliest splatter films. I would say Dawn of the Dead has a lot of that kind of stuff going right. for it with the, the gags, nonstop gags, especially at the end act. But I think that Evil Dead is almost into the Japanese samurai splatter um, beforehand. Yeah. Oh, and, absolutely. and you see the gross out and I was like, oh, that's gross. And then I it did it again and I started laughing and I was like, that's a splatter movie. I, I know it's weird. And that's where the comedy comes in just because it's so gross that you have nothing else to do. You have to laugh. I mean, Dead really? Alive is, is King, you know, splatter movie, but Evil Dead 1 and then Evil Dead 2, they kind of really were some of the first big time American movies. I know some people list Death Warmed Up from New Zealand as a splatter film, but never once did I have any fun with that movie. And it wasn't made before Evil Dead or Dawn of the Dead. And I consider those right. splatter before. I, somebody say Herschel Gordon Lewis, but I don't see those as splatter. I I always felt that the, the Herschel Gordon Lewis films, as much as I love them, were kind of opportunistic horror. Yeah, you know, he's not. He's not guy, a tour. Yeah, exactly. It's, I don't think he ever set out. I don't think uh, Lewis ever set out to make like an art house horror film he knew what sold he originally sold nudie films and then he's like well horror, horror's big right now let's push the envelope on that you know where Raimi I do quite understand that that Raimi was an opportunist to it to a point where it's like okay what sells right now horror films that's what we're going to use to get in the door but he could have very easily just put some schlock together and said forget it he still wanted to have a very concrete vision on this. And I think that's one of the reasons that this movie does stand the test of time. And like I said, in, in this one, in the beginning, it's, it's the least like Raimi. I think of all the first three of his mm -hmm. Evil Dead movies. And, and it has the most sexually explicit stuff as well, which is not something he's typically done. And I know he regrets the tree rape scene, which oh, yeah. is brutal. It's really kind of nasty. And it fits more with the 70s kind of filmmaking coming mm -hmm. into that point. It was definitely something that would pop up in that. Um, so like and, and movies that I feel like were directly that he probably lifted from. And I know he went to drive in movies. The uh, 1970 right. Equinox is, is oh, even yeah. dialogue. Yeah. I think he's parodying it half the time because he was giving these guys line readings, I guess, you know, I'm like, no, deliver it like this. So that's why I'm like, yeah, yeah, Cheryl, you know, like they're just over the top in that way. Yeah. I, you know what, what's funny is I, that didn't even dawn on me until you just mentioned it, but Equinox is Equinox is definitely, uh, I mean, movie. I can definitely, the influence on them. <laughs> even yeah. as the book it even has the book and right that brings a thing with uh with Raimi and I've, I've quoted it saying it is Lovecraftian but it's not your typical Lovecraftian thing mm. I just like it because it's a demonic force that is not brought on by a Christian god I right. so burnt the fuck out on that and that's a huge reason that I don't prefer the latter ones because they just go straight to that lame Catholicism fucking hat trick bullshit that I've seen 10 million times in Exorcist ripoffs right. are never as good as the Exorcist so why are we fucking doing it again Evil Dead so I mean that's I like the idea that it's an older the Contarian demons it's older than that you don't know what you're dealing with and it's the rules are who the fuck knows 
Right. And well, and that's the thing too. I, I mean, I have to be honest with you. I think I'm a little more forgiving of the the later films than you are, as far as after you know, after Army of Darkness, only because the, I've always looked at it as the Evil Dead films are kind of like pizza and sex. Even when it's bad, it's good. You know, it's like that's yeah. fine. You know, the so, gore effects of the remake are good. Oh, amazing! Yeah, yeah. And I still say uh, that uh, what's her name? Uh, I forget the actress's name. The redhead, one of the best deadites in the entire series. Uh, I, I think she's genuinely creepy. I, I still prefer the old Deadites because they're so goddamn ugly. Like, back when monsters were fucking monsters. That's what I miss. Like, I don't want to recognize this as a humanoid. I want to go in my basement and find this fucking slug with 12 arms and a fucking eyeball that turns into a fucking mouth that tries to bite me is what I consider a monster, not a guy with contacts. <laughs> so, Right. No, I get that. Definitely. Now, what was your take as far as... <clears throat> once Raimi got his career, once uh, w- what was your take on him essentially taking that newfound fame and trying to make a comedy and failing miserably at it, and basically having wave? a studio? Yeah, I uh, the first time I saw Cry Wave, I was just like, "What is this?" Um, and as I rewatched it, I actually Crime Wave grew on me. I really like Crime Wave. It's not his top five movie or anything like that, but it's still a fun movie and it's very Raimi. It's very chaotic and energetic and it's a Raimi movie. And and all those right. guys have that energy. Like if you watch Thou Shall Not Kill by Josh Becker or I think okay. Mosquito with some of those guys, it's all the same kind of even, energy. Even Intruder. Well, Scott Speaker's yeah. Intruder the exact Intruder. same energy. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, I'll be honest with you. I am a massive Crime Wave fan. I, like I, I to this day I know we'll never see it, but I would love to see the original cut of that that Embassy took a look at and just said "fuck this," you know. <laughs> I, I I really would love to see that. I know it's a it's a sore spot with Raimi, but considering it has two of my favorite actors of all time in it, Brian James and Paul L. Smith, it's like you can't go wrong with that movie. The so. rat laugh of uh, Brian James is brilliant. Um, and I love the, uh, the, do you remember the story about Bruce Campbell telling that Paul Smith was like, oh, that wall's not going to hold. And he was like, hey, this asshole's going to try to break this wall. Why don't you reinforce it? So then he reinforces it and he fucking hits it and he gets, he's like, oh man. And he's just like, Bruce is like, yeah, shoulder. <laughs> Fuck, I would have done it too. Like, he's just trying to be an asshole at that point. You know, like they're trying to fucking right. frame me. So he's like, I'll, I'll one up you. The, the studio made a huge mistake not having Bruce be the lead in that movie because the lead is the weakest part of that film. And Bruce would have killed it. Like he's tailor made for that. Who who in their right mind hires an actor? I don't even know who that fucking guy is. Who right. plays the lead in Crime oh, Wave? Reed Bernie, the only him. saw him show up was decades later. He's in uh, that movie, The Hunt. He's one of the uh, uh, one of the uh, the bad guys in The Hunt. Oh, the the, the fun kind of like uh, political like satire yeah. makes fun of everybody. That's yeah, a fun he, movie. That's fun. Yeah, I, and that's the last. I mean, and I think he might have done a couple episodes of Law and Order and whatnot. Again, I don't have any problem with Reed Bernie in Crime Wave. And to be perfectly He's honest fine. with you, I love, you know, I'm a massive Bruce Campbell fan. He's the, yeah. one of the reasons that I started acting. I find it, and maybe it's just because of my love for this film, I find it very difficult that Bruce could have pulled off that role only because of the fact he's too goddamn handsome for the role. I just he don't is think very he could. Handsome. Yeah, you're, you're right about that, that too. Yeah. They had to turn out like the Deadly Spawn where they just do some glasses on like an underwear model and we're like, you're a nerd. Right. He's like, okay, he can't act, but he's, he's, <laughs> yeah, I love the Deadly Spawn, but that guy's just not a nerd. Right. Yeah. Uh, but no, back, back to the Evil Dead though. I mean, it's, it's literally one of those films that, again, for all of its problems, it always comes back to the original. It always comes back to something that just, as far as an independent filmmaker goes, I think you, you and I both can agree we saw that in our youth and basically it's one of the reasons we wanted to make film. Um, I, I was always the Romero. Like I always felt like you're always Romero or you're Raimi. And I was always a hardcore Romero guy. And I liked the evil dead movies. I liked army because I watched right. it 12 million times growing up, but I liked all of them. I just, you know, and I, I, I have more and more respect for the first one than I, I, it grows more and more. Like, I just can't help oh, it. Yeah. And the more films you watch, the more you get older, the more you realize what they pulled off in the history of horror, the first Evil Dead will always grow in respect for me. That's what? very hard when people tell me to rate a classic. And it's like, personally, maybe it's not my top 10 favorite movie, but it's getting a perfect score. Why? Because it's perfect for what it is. Like, what a, it's, the, it's a trendsetter. All <laughs> movies are measured to one of these movies. So what do I say? And that's the thing. I think you, you also brought up a really good analogy between that, um, uh, as far as regional horror goes, between that 
the original Night of Living Dead and Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre. I think a lot of that too, part, part of the charm on all three of those films is because they were shot down and dirty. It has this kind of documentary feel where you almost feel like you're there. Yeah, which, and they're which, regional. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this, I, I mean, growing up in areas like all of those locations, not not Texas Chainsaw necessarily, no. but... We, but the, me and uh, you don't know Texas. So that's like, that's right. the one that we were like, oh, I don't want to go in that. Oh, that's like probably right. the scariest. I, I never us. wanted to visit Texas after I saw that movie. But, <laughs> but being familiar with pittsburgh as well as michigan it was like in tennessee i'm sorry but uh yeah. it's like shit that that could that could easily happen here i don't like this you know? well yeah you, you just see farmhouse like even when you drive through ohio like and and i think that dead next door has a lot of shots of farmhouses in the very beginning with fucking scott spiegel from uh the original within the woods and he worked on evil <laughs> dead and he works on evil dead too and he fucking make so like anybody knows that scott spiegel is directly tied with the tempe movies he's in the dead well, next yeah. door. he's in robot ninja he's in skinned alive which he partially helped make that movie too big time. yeah he's actually oh, yeah. skinned alive and and another thing i don't i don't know if you knew this one or not but all the entirety of dead next door upon its re initial release was redubbed the entire yeah. movie was redubbed yep. And the voices, the people that did the voices for that were Bruce Campbell, Ted Raimi, um, Danny Hicks from Evil Dead Two. Yeah. I mean, all I just of love them this store. For that, yeah. So, Perfect so yeah. Shooter. No matter what I do, I'll always be some way indebted to uh, to Renaissance Pictures. So, yeah, and that, that's great too. I mean, Commander Carpenter, I think, is uh, uh, Bruce Campbell's voice in that one. If I'm mm -hmm. not yeah, Carpenter yeah, and both, uh, uh, both. Uh, uh, Campbell, and if I'm not mistaken, Ted Raimi is Vincent, and I want to say Reverend Jones, but I could be wrong, wrong about that. Well, I mean, the new Blu-ray, you can watch it with like four different sound quality. You can watch it with the original sound. You can watch it with the dub sound. Um, right. I, honestly, if nobody's seen The Dead Next Door and you like any low-budget cinema, that's one of the the main stopping points. I would say, like epic mm -hmm. low-budget. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorites. I, I when I saw that, it kind of I didn't know what the fucking thing. I was like 12, and I was like. Yeah, I, and then I just after I just kept coming back to it, and I was it kind of blew my mind. I think Dead Next Door might have been my Evil Dead. <laughs> well, I think and, I and saw Evil Dead around the same time. I remember when that one first came out, and it literally was like, "Okay, well, this is what it is. It's a 19-year-old Romero tribute." You know, yeah. I can I can appreciate that. You know, I don't think it was, uh, I don't think it was necessarily at the time. I didn't feel it was breaking new ground. I have a new appreciation for it now as an adult. But as a kid working on it, it was like, oh, okay, this is this is cool. It was certainly better than the two we or the several we followed up with. So it's like, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> well, what would have been directly after would have been uh, Skin Alive or Robot Ninja. Robot Ninja, Ninja and Skin Alive uh, back to back, yeah, and well. then me questioning my life choices. I like all three of those. So, uh, you do. <laughs> Skin Alive is underrated. Skin Alive is very okay. I'll give you that. I see. I'm bitter about Skin Alive because I have like 30 seconds with a screen time in it. So it's like you know, maybe the better they are, the less you're in them. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> the Jericho Colter gets a good script. Like, I got to cut uh, James out of this one. It's too good it's for him. <laughs> Oh, that doesn't work though, because Ozone's good, and you have like thirteen parts in Ozone. So yeah, that's my Eddie Murphy movie where I'm like showing off the character. You even get to be in a fat suit, Eddie Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so I, what are some of your favorite gore gags in this? I mean, the plot is very simple: five uh, young people go to a cabin in the middle of nowhere. They they have a recording, which is that's a Lovecraft aspect. Listening to a recording you shouldn't be listening to. That's Lovecraft one hundred and one. It screws right. everything up. They get possessed, um, and basically the fucking woods come to life with demons and tree rape, and everybody starts turning the demons and ripping each other apart. And the only way to stop them, total dismemberment. Right. For me, pers I'll tell you my favorite gag and my least favorite gag in the movie. Um, my favorite gag, and it's the simplest thing in the world. It really is, but for some reason it gets me every time. When, um, when Ash goes to check on... Um, not Cheryl, uh, his girlfriend. Uh, his sister. No, uh, oh, no, you're right. You're right. No, no. Uh, Cheryl's his sister, isn't he? Isn't I don't she? remember. Yeah, Cheryl's okay. his sister. He goes to check on the girl that was stabbed uh, with a pencil in the ankle. Oh, that's the rough one. Yeah. That the ankle gag is rough, but the silliest thing, and it's I know how they did it. It still looks so cool when she starts to turn, and we just see the webbing on uh, the black the black vein webbing on her leg, and then she oh, that's cute terrifies me every single time and for me the gag that doesn't work 
And God bless them, they tried, but it's the same problem I have with Basket Case, that horrible stop-motion animation. Just, Boy, it falls I, apart I, at the end. Uh, even as a ah. kid, I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> I, I, I mean, there's so many effective shots that, like, indie, independent filmmakers use. Like, I, I know I've been on sets, and the funny thing is, like, when I watch, like, Dustin make movies and stuff, Dustin Mills, like, he, yeah. I mean, he'll, like, Raimi was very influential to him and, and guys like that, um, just because it's cheap down and dirty. And, and also you see references for movies that are referencing Evil Dead, like Night of the Demons. This is all those kind of low budget cinema. You know, people, they don't start off trying to make like some of them do. I mean, but they, they typically are inspired to make stuff from these movies. Um, right. I, I mean, like simple gags like the eye gouge. It's very effective mm -hmm. and disgusting. That works really well. But I think actually probably the biggest scare in the movie that almost is like, the movie's scary just for the sheer like craziness and the, the camera work and stuff. But the one scare that I would say is like a classic built up scare is the stupid card trick where it's like Ace of Spades, Jack of Hearts, like that whole part. And she turns around. That's such a good one. You're like, oh, shit. That's a great way for her to turn. And, and again, it's smart filmmaking because realistically, they didn't need a big effect. They didn't need an explosion. They didn't need anything, anything other than an actress and a setup. And, and again, that, that just kind of shows even even then the genius that, that is Sam Raimi, you know? For sure. Mm. Yeah, like, um, I, did you ever see Within the Woods, the original short? Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. I mean, it is pretty rough just in terms of picture quality. Like, at one point I was watching it and I was just like, is that a body or is that a head? Like, I literally <laughs> couldn't tell if it was like a fake head or an entire body. Like, the quality's rough. You could see some of it in there, but it, it, it's not nearly. I mean, like, so much more polished with the money. Oh, yeah. Um, now, I, I know at one time, and this is going back years, but at one time, Anchor Bay claimed that they were going to release that with one of their million versions of Evil Dead. Whatever, I mean, is Raimi the one that suppressed that? Or what, why did we never get, because the most, the best I've ever seen it is maybe like a 13th generation VHS that you can barely make anything out. Well, the thing is, I noticed that there's definitely like a, a needle drop in there, like of a popular song watching mm -hmm. it today. oh yeah um, and i'm just like they could cut that out but i don't know maybe he doesn't want to see it i have no idea but it's interesting because bruce is the one who's actually the deadite in this and he's saying join us join us that that right. was also something uh like the the join us line just stuck oh, like yeah. that's stuck and that was good like you never know what's really gonna stick like i mean sometimes you watch a crummy movie and like you could tell there'd have lines in there that you think if it was popular they would stick but like you never know what's exactly gonna stick right but there's a good handful of them in the original as well. Yeah. I mean, just the, just the whole image of the uh, the uh, what was it? One of the girls just singing "We're Gonna Get You." It's fucking yeah. terrifying. It yeah. really is. And a lot of that's happy accidents too, because the baby doll thing. They she was just like, uh, what was that? I can't think of Betsy. One one of the actors. She was just like, why? Not? She was just doing a baby doll impression or something like that. And they're like, she's like, why don't I just do that instead of getting all this nasty ass makeup on me and just making a baby doll? Which is smart on her end. It's kind of right. like. Same thing with Return of the Living Dead, where James Karen's looking around. He's just like, you know, I don't want to be running around in that fucking rain in the rest of this movie. Why don't I just burn myself in the crematorium and just right. throw this line in here? And like, it's a great idea. And that's probably the saddest scene in the whole fucking movie. Maybe oh, the absolutely. best scene in the whole movie. <laughs> Happy accidents. <laughs> Happy accidents. I mean, I, I think like uh, there's so many movies that just uh, have that kinetic energy. Like movies by committee, like mm -hmm. that are like studio committee are pretty shit. But movies by yeah. committee, by like the actual people on the set, tend to be like great. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there's sometimes like in a low budget sense, like I, I think one voice in a low budget movie can kind of be deteriorating sometimes. If you have like a, a, a like somebody that's not going to listen to anybody on a low budget movie, but it's kind of weird. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, and I think we've we've both been there on yeah. situations like that. But <laughs> which actually, you know, I, it's off topic, but I always have wanted to ask you as a filmmaker, you would slightly touched on this earlier with Dustin um who who was your in inspiration as far as was it Romero or because I see a lot of I'll be honest with you with what I've seen of your your own personal stuff I see a lot of Fulci in there am I wrong in thinking that or? really I, I mean I only have I, didn't, I only made a couple of movies and they're really low budget honestly thing thing is all my favorite stuff I love all different kinds of movies but I'm a rather goofy person when I go to make things like I can't help but try to be stupid like funny even though I don't want to be it ends up being silly like unless somebody else writes it in a minute but like right. so like it'll just go to my like my, my bread and butter it's like little creatures why not because I grew up right. with ghoulies and dumb shit like that and I just didn't think there was enough of them 
So I would go with that. But I mean, I, I love Fulci. Fulci is one of my all-time favorites. Romero and Fulci are my two favorites. And then, you know, right. obviously it goes to go down like Carpenter, Argento, Cronenberg. The, the, the heavy hitters are a reason they're the heavy hitters, you know. Mario oh, yeah. Bava, they're just best. But Romero and Fulci are the ones that I did. Um, I just felt like I always kind of just understood Romero even from a young age. And I could never do what Romero did. And I don't know why you'd try because you're never going to be as good. Right. Yeah, but I, I mean, my movies just come across as bad Ghoulies ripoffs, and Ghoulies is and already a ripoff. <laughs> and it's only, nothing wrong with that, you know. There, there, there needs to be more bad Ghoulies ripoffs, you know. Does there really? <laughs> there does. I don't know if but you've seen the one I've seen. I'm like, in all fairness, though, I'm the guy that made the uh, uh, the two hour corpse fucking movie. So what do I know? Ooh, no, so. no, no. And it's it doesn't have it's it's more of a drama. Right, exactly. <laughs> you made the you made the tamer version of Necromantic too. I made the realistic version of Pretty Woman. So <laughs> <laughs> you seen uh you did the first Necromantic after York Buckeret made that, everyone was like, We want another one, we want another one. And he's like, I don't want to make another one right now. So he makes Dirk right. Skin and then he's like, Fine, you want Necromantic too? I'll make this fucker two hours long. There's right. barely any I'm just gonna make it a fucking two hour drama. <laughs> it's just make you all miserable art film. He did this shit on purpose. I love it. I love all four of his feature films that I've seen. Oh yeah, yeah. It's definitely fucking with the audience. I love when directors fuck with the audience. Like mm -hmm. Michael Henneke or somebody personally. like that. Just laughing in their face. I hate it. I think it's funny. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. For me personally, my favorite of his was uh, was Shram. I, I just I absolutely think that is an incredibly powerful fucking movie. Yeah, I've enjoyed all his films. And he's got a certain <laughs> unique quality about him too. So uh <laughs> the one thing I noticed, like in almost everything, like the inspirations for Evil Dead has like traveled all across the world. Like if you look at a lot of the Hong Kong films, what was the evil uh, the evil unholy dead versus like night from nineteen ninety one that has that mm -hmm. in there. So much, so much of Japanese cinema is inspired by the Evil Dead. We have the okay. Japanese Evil Dead. There's so many of these different kinds of that movies. A bodybuilder from Hell thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that's a strange film. But no, there's so much. And like the only times I ever like think movies that inspired Evil Dead would be your typical Cabin in the Woods stuff. But I don't think of too many Cabin in the Woods movies before Evil Dead like that. Right. Right. Besides Equinox. Yeah, no, no, you're right. And uh, and again, I just, I'll be honest with you, I think I saw that one time as a kid, but you're giving me definite flashbacks of it. So. Well, I mean, it has similarities, but it's not nearly as strong as Evil Dead. It's, oh, it's no, more, no. But the acting's similar. <laughs> uh, but purposely so in Evil Dead. Um, and then I would say for the sequels of Evil Dead, a lot of people always compared House to. And I can see some of that. The meowing mm. clock, the just house is coming to life. But I don't know if Sam Raimi would have ever saw House in. I mean, there's, I, I can't imagine he wouldn't have. Let's put it. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I definitely see more of, hey, well, how can we make this weird versus how, how can we borrow from this? You know, Raimi just doesn't seem the type. Yeah, I just don't think he would have watched House. I know there was that argument back in the day where they said that Brian De Palma never watched a Dario Argento film. And you're like, I don't know. It seems like he has. But then at the same time, they're like, they're both just ripping off the same fucking guy, Hitchcock. So it's like, right. maybe they just were ripping off the same guy and had some similarities. There's only so many ways to right. go. It's hard to say. We're No matter what we do as filmmakers, we're always going to be inspired by something. We're always going, there's always going to be, I mean, I don't think we all necessarily need to go the Tarantino route, but I uh, I definitely think we're all inspired by something. It's hard to, he's such a, he's, he's so good at mixing the stuff in without just, right. he's, it doesn't seem like a direct lift all the time, mm. although they are, and that's fine because he's so good at it. And he brings right. a lot of these uh, movies to the light of other people, you know, nobody would have watched and your G. Castellari's Inglorious Bastards. Not as many right. people if they didn't see, you know, his title of his other one. Right. Yeah, I'm a born-again Tarantino fan because I really loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I surprisingly, even though I'm not a huge Western guy, I really liked The Hateful Eight. But before then, I didn't really care for anything he had done since Pulp Fiction. I, really? I just wasn't I mean, his other stuff. I mean, I really like all his films, except... Um, uh, there's a couple that just sit a little lower than the other ones, but they all still have something to enjoy, at least a performance <laughs> or two or something in there that I really like. Right. So for just for the fun, uh, yeah. where would you um, rank which Evil Deads? The, all, all five, I guess, will do five and the series. So the series as a whole. So okay. rank from top to uh, from bottom to top. From bottom to top, me personally, I would go Army of Darkness, Evil Dead, the original, Evil Dead 2, and again, I'm I'm broken up about this, but I'm going to put it just because the first season was so much fun. Ash versus the Evil Dead, 
um, Evil Dead Rise and then the Evil Dead remake. So you went from top to bottom. Top to bottom, yeah. Okay, okay. For a second, I was like, Evil Dead remake is the top. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm Army, Evil Dead 1, Evil Dead 2. I've only saw a couple episodes of Ash vs. Evil Dead. I don't know why I'm weird like that. I don't ever really watch much TV. I, I bought the first season. Oh, wow. I, it was fun. I liked it, but I'm just like... The first season, phenomenal. After that, in my opinion, it goes in the shitter. There's some nice returns to the series in the... It's just, it got a little too goofy is the problem that I had with it. So, I don't know if I prefer... I think I probably prefer the remake over Evil Dead Rise. Really? Yeah, I only saw the rise once. I, I I could take or leave both of them. They're both at like six, six and a half. Yeah, out of 10 I mean they're not. Me. I'm not gonna lie. They're not. Neither one of them are amazing films. They're fine. But what's that? They're fine. Yeah, they're fine. They're very serviceable. I didn't hate them. I didn't love them. But I mean, yeah. And I think probably I'm depending on which day you ask me, I'll switch places with the Evil Dead remake and uh, Evil Dead Rise. Yeah. And the only reason I'm saying Evil Dead Rise right now is I've seen that more recently than uh, than I've seen the remake. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, there's stuff to like about it. I mean, when you look at 1981 as a whole, what's really comparable to Evil Dead? I think that there's only one movie in terms of violence, and I, I should have mentioned him in Splatter, too, because... Fulci was kind of a splatter guy too, but not in the yeah. same sense. These were like big yeah. set pieces of cruelty. <laughs> but you keep in mind though, we didn't know that at the time because the, his films have been so butchered in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. We would have no clue. I mean, with the exception of Zombie, uh, I mean, they butchered The Beyond, they butchered uh, House by the Cemetery, they butchered um, uh, City, of the, City of the Living Gates Dead. Of hell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, realistically, who would have known? You know. Yeah, and New York Ripper probably was it oh, Trimark or Vidmark? I had that old tape. Yeah, did you ever see that Vidmark videotape? I don't know if it I watched the tape. I had to have had. Yeah, it literally might as well have been three minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a duck quack and it says rolls credits. Right. right. <laughs> what the but fuck no, was that? I, I mean, there really wasn't that level of violence on screen probably since dawn of the dead i mean i'm sure there was something we're missing that was like uh, uh, somebody's going to make make a note in this uh, youtube link and say hey you guys forgot about this well but, i mean in terms of making it to america because okay. and, and, like, cannibal holocaust is 1980 incredibly violent that played in theaters probably on cut all those movies we mentioned probably played on cut in theaters but when they hit tape mm. probably not so much you know what i mean they were probably cut to shit because they yeah, had the seven doors of death was the uh the lewis fuller cut of right. the Lucio Fulci classic, which uh, I made a joke one time on a post. I put, uh, you know, that like buff dog and then that little yeah. fat dog. I put um, Seven Doors of Death directed by Lewis Fuller and it was that fat dog. And then I put uh, The Beyond directed by Lucio Fulci was the buff dog. And like one guy underneath was just, I don't know if he was contrarian or just mentally ill. He was just like, I actually prefer Seven Doors of Death. I was like, cool. And then he like, <laughs> I made a joke about, uh, Say, I, I should do. I'm not. Just, I just use this platform to talk shit about some guy that. <laughs> that's enough of that. But I was just like, what he's, he's world? Go, what the hell? I'm a fucking asshole. What world? Do, who prefers Seven Doors of Death over the Beyond? That makes no. And again, that makes no sense. But again, it could be nostalgia talking. You know, no that's doubt. what he grew up. You know, so, I know. Uh, what was it? Um, God, I'm trying to think. I mean, for me, growing up. I actually enjoyed pieces more than I enjoyed any of the uh, the bulgy cuts that I had seen on VHS because I was too young to see them in theaters. You know, well, I still pieces love pieces, but yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Fulci's is great. Fulci's mm. the best. So I mean, like, right. But uh, it's funny though. I mean, like, do you think like people from the Great Depression still have nostalgia for Jello? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I shouldn't compare to Seven. The Seven Doors of Death at least has an interesting soundtrack, and it's shorter. It's it's fun. It's a fun watch, but it's not it's right. Not and well, I would I, say the Beyond is the closest to Evil Dead from 1980. Yeah, no, I would definitely agree with that. Well, and again, did you happen to pick up the Gates of Hell cut that they released on? I think it was Dark uh, Dark Force that released it. Well, um, it's a, it, I, I think it's the uncut version, but it's just a double feature with Psycho from Texas on there as well. Is or it, is it actually the cut version? Is I it, thought it was the cut version. I could be wrong because I was baffled why they would even bother. I, I thought but, Paragon put that on uncut on VHS. Did they? I thought I, I, I could have. But I cut. I, you know what? I rented that movie once when I was a kid, and ever since then I saw it on the DVD, City of the Living Dead, and then the I, Blu-ray, and then the 4K. So I've always seen that. 
a couple times in the shit quality. Same thing with like mm-hmm. Burial Ground and, and Night of the Zombies and all those like Italian Euro, I mean like zombie movies. I saw on VHS once or twice as a kid growing up, maybe more. And then they got released on DVD when I was about you know 12 and I bought them all up. Mm-hmm. See my uh, hmm. So as far as now, I know that there's rumor that now that Evil Dead Rise was a success, that now they're going to start cranking out more Evil Dead films a la Star Wars and Marvel and whatnot. What's your thought process on that? I mean, I don't care. Like, keep making them. If they suck, they suck. I don't got to watch it. Like, right. it's like, kind of like that RoboCop remake. Looked unwatchable, just acted like it didn't exist. What RoboCop right. remake? No idea. I don't care. Yeah, and it was quickly forgotten. Yeah, as I, it I should get, be. And, and I know this is selfish, and I know it's probably silly, but... For me, a good portion of what made Evil Dead work was Bruce Campbell. And without, or even the character of Ash Williams. So without him in there, it just seems kind of pointless to continue. And the same thing without Raimi. Like, it's, I mean, mean, I'm checking into an Evil Dead movie for Sam Raimi's filmmaking style and fun and that group of people coming together to make a movie. And that's why a lot of the latter day Romero movies, as as decent as a couple of them really were, Land's pretty good movie Mm -hmm. overall. It's solid. It doesn't have that that family community like Night, Dawn, and Day. It doesn't have I, it. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna challenge you on this. And Dave, you know you know I'm a fan. You know I love you like a brother. You know this. The only reason you like Land is because Diary and and uh, 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 what is it? Survival happened. No, That's I the, saw Land in the theaters. And you loved it. I saw Land. I in didn't the love theaters. it. I liked it. Oh God, I was pissed. And I, I liked- was. Uh, I think I was brain dead when I saw Diary because I really like Diary. I don't even hate Diary. Diary just depresses me because it's like mediocre, mediocre, and then there'll be a moment of genius, and then it goes back to mediocre. And like I'm just watching it, and the only reason it sucks is because he literally doesn't have the same film crew helping to make the movie that he could. It's just like, and it's too ham-fisted. It's just like he just does not surround. Same thing with my Dario's movies from like the after um, what? I would say after Sleepless up until his most recent one were terrible only because his crew was terrible. Mm, well, and again, the I budgets. I, I don't know personally. I, I just, I find that very, my own personal belief is that Romero was one of my favorite directors of all time. I absolutely loved him. That said, I don't personally think he made a watchable film after Day of the Dead. I, I know that's blasphemy. I know that's shitty. I just didn't care for anything else he made after that. Uh, Two Evil Eyes is fine. It's fine. But Dario's is better. Doing subpar stories, in my opinion. I, well, I just, Dario's I do, is, a better, is a better movie. It is, but even that's not great. You know? I like I mean, that it's, one. Yeah, it's, it's, like I said, it's, it's serviceable. It's just not something, I, not something I would expect from the guy that made... Tenebrae and Phenomena for my for my money. Um, That's all. I I would say that the last Romero movie I liked was liked a lot was Land. I don't okay. hate Diary and Survival, but there were points when I actively got annoyed with Survival the last time I watched it, where I was mm-hmm. actively just upset at certain choices, and I just was depressed about. It. Um, I, I'm curious about this Twilight of the Dead movie. I just wish that they'd get some Romero alumni involved with it. Like a Nicotero or a Tom Savini or, or just go full crazy and just be like, let Del Toro direct it. Why? Because he's the best. You know what I mean? I I mean, my own opinion, I personally just think they should let it rest. I, I just, I don't, I don't, I'll see it. I, I, I mean, you know me, I see everything, yeah. but I can't say I'm looking forward to it. But then again, I'm the wrong person to talk to. I'm, I'm, I, like I said, I, I haven't really liked a whole lot of newer horror films. I'm, I'm an old man. I'm screaming, get off my lawn. You know. Me too. I, I mean, I'll watch them and I'm like, that was a good movie. Will I ever come back to it? No. Never. Like, I'll give them high ratings. Like, I will go back and watch Motel Hell fucking 20 times and be like, I like it, but it's not my favorite. Right. But I will watch a movie that I really like from this new year and be like, yeah, oh, it's pretty good. It's actually really great. And then I will never rewatch it again. I don't know what right. it is. I don't know. I mean... Like, I loved, personally, I loved X, which was, or I'm sorry, I loved Pearl, which, because I hated X, shockingly enough. I, I really didn't care for X. That's why I was so surprised I liked Pearl. And I loved Barbarian. But do I think either of them are going to be something I'm going to remember in 10 years? Probably not. You know? Yeah, I mean, Sadness was my favorite that came out technically last year for us. Excellent movie. I loved Pearl. I loved X. I liked Barbarian. I loved Bones and All. 
Um, I mm. bought Sadness. I bought Pearl and I bought X. I didn't buy the rest yeah. of them. I don't even know if they got releases, unfortunately. You know, Bones that's, that's all, kind of the way it is. I was, I see, I still haven't seen Bones and all, and I wanted to. It's just for some reason the Blu-ray has never been lower than thirty bucks, and I'm that's like, I'm much. not for a movie that I'm not familiar with. You know? It's like two hours long. It's like two and a half hours long too. It's not for everybody. It's so it's such a, a movie that's just this isn't for everybody. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, so I mean, as far as Evil Dead, I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about it? I mean, like, uh, like I said, it's just like one of the ultimate splatter movies. The the gore and the glee and stuff like mixes in really well. It's, like it, it's it's tough to say, I, and I think you're. Uh, it's tough to say anything about the Evil Dead that hasn't already been said. Uh, sure. I mean, at the end of the day, we're talking about a movie that absolutely deserves its its legend. I, I think it's a movie that continues to inspire filmmakers, and it. I I, I love the fact. One of my one of my happiest moments was. When my when all three of my kids reached the point where they were old enough to see Evil Dead one and two because they were uh, was showing at the drive-in last year and I'm like thank God yeah I'm gonna take them and again a lot of films <laughs> that I take my kids to see that I love from my childhood they can't get into they feel dated Evil Dead uh, the Evil Dead series is not one of those uh, those films which is nice yeah. it, it seems to span generations which is nice do you think it's the energy. That it doesn't really, I it's think, got a fast pace to it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I 100% think it's the energy because, like I said, I mean, I know the only other film that I've shown, my youngest daughter is um, 13. And the only other movie that I've shown her from my childhood that she connected with was Return of the Living Dead. Oh, she, she really, great one. yeah. And again, that's a very high energy film. So I think that's probably why these movies work for this generation did you ever show her dawn of the dead i did we went to theaters uh recently to see the uh the 3d one and um um she liked it didn't love it yeah, yeah it wasn't I, mean, a... I would definitely go theatrical i would show the extended cut on uh, somebody for the no. first time that's not the way to go <laughs> yeah so... we uh... oh go, go ahead. ahead i'm sorry no you oh, i was yeah we ended up uh we were lucky enough to see it when it was uh i took the whole family to go see it when it was playing in 3d uh, at the revival and uh, and and yeah, they, we had fun with it, but again, so, didn't love it. Yeah. Did Did you have any uh, anything else you want to mention about Sam Raimi on the set of Dead Next Door, or any stories you heard about him from third I'm, third parties? New, uh, and this wasn't about Raimi, but it was about Campbell. All the post production sound work for Dead Next Door was done in Michigan at Bruce Campbell's studio, and he took the credit of uh, ROC Sandstorm. As the guy that, uh, as his fake name for doing all the uh, uh, the sound work. And I remember Michael Todd, uh, who played Jason and then later played uh, uh, the Robot Ninja. He was he told me a story about going up there with JR and uh, their cinematographer, Mike Talachko, because uh, Mike Todd was also um, a producer on the film. And they were trying to, uh, after they were done working for the day, Campbell walked him down to the car and he was uh, he was telling him how to get back to their hotel. And he's like, well, you, you take a turn here and then you go down there and you're going to go about two blocks down here. And he gave him this huge list of, uh, of directions like, OK, yeah, we think that they're trying to jot it down. We think we got it. Turns out he basically took them in a giant like seven mile journey right back to the parking lot. And he did it on purpose just to mess with them. <laughs> so... Uh, also, oddly enough, when uh, when uh, Bruce Campbell used to uh, before he got mega mega popular, and uh, when he used to run his own uh, his own website, he marked uh, the Dead Next Door as one of his f top five worst horror films ever made. So <laughs> I was gonna ask what Bruce Campbell and uh, um, uh, Sam Raimi thought of the Dead Next Door. I have, I mean, I have no clue. Honestly, I never was privy to those uh, discussions. I honestly think the website blurb was something to rib Jr. with. I, I think it was something that he, he he messed with him with. But who knows? Maybe he does hate it. I can't imagine. But he's been in way worse movies than the Dead Next. Movie. Right. I was gonna say. Obviously, he didn't see. Uh, oh, what was it? Uh, was that Terminal? Uh, what, what was that thing he did? Terminal Invasion or... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. There's a couple of those that I... There was like a two movies back-to-back -back and I just didn't watch them. Like, they're like, Anchor made double feature. I'm like, hey! No. You know? I'm good. Even his own directorial effort, uh, 
my name uh, my name is Bruce. Again, I love Bruce Campbell. Movie's unwatchable. That's Movie's okay. all- oh come on. I saw <laughs> it when it came out. I haven't watched it since. I okay. just remember Bean Curd. Right? Is that how they stop the monster? He hates Bean Curd. What is this fucking Ernest Scared Stupid? That's what I mean. It's like uh, I love Ernest Scared Stupid, but that's a kids movie, and it's supposed to be it, like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it's not great. <laughs> so we'll go real quick. All you gotta yes. say. Is better or worse? No explanation. Got it. From 1981 it. movies. Possession. Better. American War in London. Oh, you stumped me on the second one already? I'm sorry. I'm going American Werewolf on that one. My Bloody Valentine. Evil Dead. The Howling. Evil Dead. Scanners. Evil Dead. The Burning. Evil Dead. Friday the 13th Part 2. Oh, Evil Dead, yeah. Cannibal Ferox. Ooh. Evil Dead. Halloween 2. Evil Dead. Piranha 2. Oh, definitely Evil Dead, yeah. (laughs) The Beyond. The Beyond. Galaxy of Terror. Evil Dead. The Prowler. Evil Dead. Butcher Baker, Nightmare Maker. Oh, I love that movie, but Evil Dead. Deadly Blessing. Evil Dead. Happy Birthday to Me. Evil Dead. Fun House. Evil Dead. Road Games. Evil Dead. Ghost Story. Evil Dead. Dead and Buried. Mm. It's a great one. It really is. It's um, a dark horse of the year. Evil Dead. I'll, I'll skip some of the crummy slashers I don't think are going to make <laughs> Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Evil Dead. House by the Cemetery. Oh, that's my favorite Fulci too. Um, and but yet, you know what? Evil Dead. Uh let's see. Hell Knight. Evil Dead. Madman. Evil Dead. I think that I don't think there's any Nightmare and a Damaged Brain. As much as I love that movie, it does suck. So I'm still going to say Evil Dead. (laughs) You know that movie. I love it. I I have a blast with it. But that's not a good movie. I like it. But uh, it's definitely like 50% like, we got got Maniac. And now we're going to Halloween. We still need 25 more minutes. Daytime drama. Right, (laughs) right. All right. So uh, if that's the list, tell me on that list which one's... You don't have to go through each one of them again, but tell me which ones you feel beats out Evil Dead of that list. Personal favorites? Personal favorites, yeah. I mean, they don't I'm even not have to go through all of them. Better movie just for you, what you would rather watch over the Evil Dead. Possession's a tie. American Wife in London, I think, beats it. Uh, my mm-hmm. Bloody Valentine, uh, I got to go Evil Dead. Evil Dead over Howling, Scanners, The Burning's Close, Friday 13th, two I really like, not sure. Cannibal Ferox, I love. Evil Dead probably over Ferox. Evil Dead over Halloween 2, Piranha 2. Mm-hmm. The Beyond not beating. The Beyond's my top, not beating. Right. It, it beats Galaxy of Terror, beats The Prowler. Butcher Baker, Nightmare Maker, barely. Beats Deadly Blessing, beats Happy Birthday to Me, beats Fun House, which is underrated, I think, a bit, actually. Beats mm-hmm. Ghost Story. Doesn't beat Dead and Buried, I don't think. Really? Be- okay, see, I'm, I'm actually glad to hear you say that, because that was a tough one for me. Oh, that one gets better with age. I think as you grow up, it's just like such mm-hmm. a good, tight mystery, and it's still fucking twisted. Yeah. Um, it's very close to House by the Cemetery. It's probably around the same place. I, it's hard okay. to say, but it beats it beats the rest too. Um, okay. I think the only ones that truly I would say that have chance to beat it, that have a chance, not 100 percent. Possession, American Werewolf in London, um, The Burning, The Beyond, House by the Cemetery and Butcher Baker I, and Dead and Buried. I think those are all like, and Dark Knight of the Scarecrow is great. Those are like the cream of the crop from the year for me. You, you want to hear something really sad? It wasn't until two years ago that I had sat down with Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker and really? I absolutely loved it. It was a lot. Uh, there's nothing better than finding, uh, especially with our collections, yeah. you know, finding something of that age where it's like, oh, wow, I, I wasn't aware that this even existed. Uh, and I, I loved it. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Guess which one was that for me for 1981? For some reason, I never watched the fucking Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. I had oh, it, wow. bought it four or five fucking times. I had, I think I had a VHS, I had a DVD, I had a Blu-ray. I was like, eh, finally, this is the first one I now, watched for it, 81. 
did the the whole um, originally aired on TV scare you off? Is that what it was? No, I didn't give yeah. a shit. I did care less. I was just waiting for a, a special reason to watch it. Because I mean, I love Larry Drake. I like I like all the character actors in it. Charles During, mm-hmm. Lane Smith, um, the Claw Earl Jones, and I was just like, I started to watch this, and I was like, this is Taylor made for me. This is like redneck uh, revenge story, and it's oh. weird. And you're like. Is the girl controlling the scarecrow? Is the scarecrow alive? Is it telekinesis? Some people are like it's actually the scarecrow. It's like no, bro. The little girl is controlling the scarecrow. She has telekinesis. Right. My guess is she's like a Carrie or like that weird ass movie from 1977, The Child. Oh yeah, yeah. Like that where she's like controlling the zombies in the cemetery. It's a weird movie, man. That uh, I, I thought Dark Knight of Scarecrow was excellent. That was probably the best yeah. TV horror movie I've ever seen. I don't think there's a yeah. better one. Really, and and again, it's one of those that for some reason, and I don't quite understand why, it's some re- reason gets easily forgotten. Yeah, it but, should. Yeah, it really should. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a great movie. And, and 81 is insane. You have the debut of Sam Raimi. You have so many people in there. like, And not just horror movies, still making movies. I mean, Carpenter has uh, Escape from New York and Romero has Night Riders. These are oh, yeah. horror films. But then also you have, you know, um, Fulci's making three horror films. In yeah. one year, and yeah. all, and two are masterpieces, and one's good. Who makes yeah, what, three? What? The Black Cat. The oh, Black that's Hat. right. That's okay. a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, nobody makes three good. And then Toby Hooper has one. Cronenberg. Everybody's mm-hmm. making a movie this year. John Landis, Joe Dante. Um, what's Dante got? I know he has one, doesn't he? Oh, The Howling. The, the Howling. Howling. Yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. so, so many good people out there making great movies. It's just, it's mm-hmm. insane that the, the early eighties are really uh, 80, 81 and 82 are so amazing. And then we get to oh. 85, 86, 87, 88 are all amazing. Mm-hmm. No, that whole, uh, and again, I mean, I'm a huge seventies and eighties guy anyway, but that particular time period is just absolutely stunning. Yeah. 65 to 95. I could be fine. Mm-hmm. And like, up until Scream, and then there was like a 10-year period after Scream where 90% of this shit was unwatchable. For me. Yeah, no, 100% agree. <laughs> and it's not Scream's fault that everybody just sucked. See, I still blame Scream. <laughs> I can, I can very, I can, I can blame Scream with no shame. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny though because everybody like probably like when they were growing up in like the early 80s and they saw all the Friday 13th ripoffs, they were probably so mad. They're like, I got to watch fucking graduation day. What the fuck? <laughs> right. Well, but you keep in mind too, I'm sure when Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Night of the Living Dead uh, or and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Dawn of the Dead came out, there were fans of Friday, oh, I'm sorry, of uh, Frankenstein and Dracula that were like, oh, what the hell is this garbage? You know? Why are they going to show the blood? Right. <laughs> I'll never be that guy. That that's what, what cracked me up when people were bitching about the Serbian film. I was like, you guys are the same guys that bitched about I spin on your grave in last house on the left. You same right. motherfuckers. You oh, exactly. Same motherfuckers. You never learn. Uh, <sighs> I hate people. I'm not I'm a wait, fan either. Just waiting for that bomb to drop. You think it's the next <laughs> What? <laughs> I said, I think it's the insect's turn <laughs> to take over. Uh, why not? Uh, do you have any upcoming stuff you want to plug or anything like that? At this point, uh, we are getting, uh, um, what was it? I just uh, wrote, uh, produced, and acted in J.R. Buckhalter's return to uh, to cinema after a 23-year uh, hiatus. Uh, side effects may vary. And we are planning a road show uh, that is going to last from... I believe the end of January until the beginning of April with the film. In fact, one of the one of the shows are going to be at Dayton, so I hope to see you there. Nice. That's uh, not too far. Yeah. And uh, what else? And also, I know I keep promising it, and I'm an asshole. Uh, Trivial is still on the way. I promise. It just we ran into some snags, but we we do have at least a uh, uh, we're we're one week away from a locked cut. So I'm I'm nice. very happy about that. So, but yeah. Aside from that, just. Just will work for food. Uh, look me up on Facebook and hire me for something, damn it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if anybody's not familiar with James L. Edwards' movies, he's in a slew of early movies. He's still acted, what, for never really stopped. I mean, but what do, what do you well, think your biggest roles are? I had a seven-year hiatus that, uh, that I did quit. Uh, but um, what was it? The biggest ones were probably uh, uh, Bloodletting, 
uh, Polymorph, uh, my directorial debut. Her name was Krista, and hopefully, uh, uh, hopefully, side effects may vary because, yeah. like I said, I'm I'm very very proud of this one. I, I think Jr. did an absolutely amazing job, and I can't wait for everybody to see it. I'm excited too. I mean, uh, I always love Jr.'s work. I mean, very ambitious. Like he was one of those um, guys that always tried to stay ambitious. Like I, there's nothing worse than an indie filmmaker who starts off great and just gets no ambition. Like, and I don't want to name anybody, but their movies just progressively get worse. Yeah. Or they just don't get any better. And you're just like, what the fuck are we even doing here? They're just happy. They're happy being stagnant. And I know I come true. Trust me. I'm not naming any names either, but I get it. So we'll talk after. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks for doing this. Oh, anytime. You know, I love being on the show and thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no doubt. I appreciate you doing it. Hopefully we'll, I'll get you on for 82 sometime. There's a million Sounds great, great movies that year too. 